This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. After a hasty exit from Afghanistan, ending the longest-running modern American war, the Taliban have once more taken over their country. President Joe Biden withdrew troops in line with his predecessor's goals, and after years of peace talks with Taliban leaders. Over the weekend, Taliban forces captured swaths of Afghanistan with stunning speed. Afghan President Ashraf Ghani fled to Oman, posting on his Facebook page that he was forced to make a tough choice. Following his departure, Taliban forces entered the presidential palace in the capital, Kabul, marking a stunning chapter in the decades-long war. Meanwhile, former President Hamid Karzai, installed by U.S. President George W. Bush, remained in Afghanistan and recorded a video with his three young daughters pledging to remain there. Karzai has now formed a coordinating committee with Afghan government leaders and former warlords Abdullah Abdullah and Gulbuddin Hekmatyar for what he has called a smooth transition of power to the Taliban. Scenes of Afghans desperate to flee Kabul showed thousands of people on the airport runway, some even hanging onto an airplane as it attempted to take off. Here in the United States, Biden has come under intense criticism for abandoning the for abandoning Afghanistan and allowing the Taliban to take over so swiftly. Mr. Biden has remained defiant, saying that the American people were in favor of an end to the war and that extending the occupation would have made no difference. On Monday, he gave a speech from the White House. And the Taliban was at its strongest militarily since 2001. The choice I had to make as your president, was either to follow through on that agreement or be prepared to go back to fighting the Taliban in the middle of the spring fighting season. There would have been no ceasefire after May 1. There was no agreement protecting our forces after May 1. There was no status quo of stability without American casualties after May 1. There was only a cold reality of either following through on the agreement to withdraw our forces or escalating the conflict and sending thousands more American troops back into combat in Afghanistan, lurching into the third decade of conflict. That's President Joe Biden speaking from the White House on Monday about the fall of Afghanistan to the Taliban. Western media outlets have begun once more to voice concern for the plight of Afghan women under the Taliban, a familiar refrain that has long marked criticism of U.S. withdrawal. We turn now to Fahima Gahiz. She is the director of the Afghan Women's Fund. She's visited Afghanistan many times. She's an Afghan-American women's rights expert. Welcome to the program, Fahima. Thank you for having me. So when we last spoke to you a few months ago, it was when uh, it was clear that the United States would be withdrawing from Afghanistan, did you? Were you surprised by the speed at which the Taliban has taken over most of Afghanistan today? We knew this was an inevitability, but it seemed to happen shockingly fast. Um, I am surprised, yes, but I'm more disappointed and I feel like we are betrayed as a nation. Afghanistan has been used for 40 plus years and then this withdrawal was so irresponsible. And then um, the, they are kind of uh, put delivered Afghanistan on a silver plate to the Taliban and um, um, they 
uh, forced the Afghan um, government, um, uh, president, the elected president in the administration out of Afghanistan and brought the Taliban to the um, to uh, the present palace. Um, everybody was surprised, including the Taliban. And uh, even uh, outsiders, the, the Western media, the Western countries were surprised that they advanced so fast. But uh, um, the situation was such that they, they kind of actually prepared that. They prepared that situation for them for the past two years, giving them legitimacy, giving them position and, and prestige and even money and so, and then undermine the Afghan government and undermine the people of Afghanistan and the interest and will of Afghan people. So that is the betrayal that, that, the betrayal that the Afghan people can never uh, forget or forgive, and I cannot. As an Afghan-American, as, as a women's rights activist, I, this betrayal just really appalled me, and it's just uh, uh, pained me very, very much. The um, former Trump administration officials, like former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, have blamed President Biden for what they're saying is a botched uh, withdrawal. The liberal media has been laying it at his feet as well, saying that this is Biden's Saigon moment. But as you suggested, it's been a couple of years that the United States has been directly holding peace talks with the Taliban. And actually, it even goes beyond that, right? Was Didn't peace talks with the Taliban in secret start under Obama? They chose to work with the Taliban and very explicitly excluded the go Afghan government that the United States itself had propped. Well, the, uh, you know, we uh, from outside of the United States, we see every administration the same. We uh, don't differentiate from people from outside. They know that uh, it doesn't matter if there's a D in front of them or R in front of them. The foreign policy does not change very much. Whatever Trump did, oh, um, Mr. Biden um, he uh, he implied it. That's that was the um, that was the deal, and uh, Mr. Biden did not change his his position. Did not um, actually take the responsibility to um, to uh, to the Afghan people or to the Afghan government to the to the world or, or to the democracy and the human rights and women's rights uh, that they are giving slogan all the time. They did not even respect that. They did not show any loyalty to those slogans either. So um, it doesn't matter who is in power, the foreign policy does not change very much. Mr. Pompeo can, can uh, attack Mr. Blinken, uh, Mr. Blinken can attack him, but as far as we know, as far as the Afghan people know, we were betrayed by every administration, by um, Trump and by Biden administrations. Let's talk about the Afghan politicians uh, President Ashraf Ghani fled the country over the weekend. There are some reports saying that he left with, you know, uh, helicopters full of cash. Um, he's being excoriated for abandoning his country. And then the former president, Hamid Karzai, who was initially installed by the U.S. government as a, you know, as, as an interim president, but then won elections. Um, he has chosen to stay in the country, recorded a video of himself with his three young daughters, and is now overseeing 
a coordinating committee with former vice presidents of Afghanistan, or current actually vice presidents of Afghanistan, to have a smooth transition of power. So what do you, first of all, what do you make of Ashraf Ghani's decision to leave the country? If Hamid Karzai can stay, why couldn't Ghani? Well, he couldn't. He was not able to stay because they forced him out of um, uh, prison palace. Uh, some aides said that they they came there and uh, the they Taliban, meaning the Taliban, the Taliban and the Americans. They mm. forced out. They put him in a helicopter and they forced him out. Another um, uh, report or rumor said that the, the Taliban were, was um, they were going to hang him on uh, the nineteenth, just like they did with uh, Mr. with Dr. Najibullah. Um, he was forced out of uh, there, uh, out of the palace. Uh, the 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 lies that they are spreading that he took money and this and that. First of all, Ghani. Anything that you can say about Hani, he was not a thief and he was not somebody who um, had the love of money in his heart. He wanted to help. He wanted to work for Afghans. He probably had many, many uh, faults, but that was not one of the, the um, uh, negative points that he had. So um, uh, th th these things are lies and, and uh, Ghani does not need the money he worked for work, uh, World Bank and he um, was a professor and so is his wife. He's 72 or 73 years old and his children are um, well educated and so they, they don't need and he lived a very uh, simple lifestyle. Um, those who stayed in Afghanistan, Mr. Karza and others, um, yes, the U.S. brought them there, and although there were like a Tom and Jerry uh, fight between them, but he wanted to um, serve the Taliban and, and whoever, whatever uh, criticism he did of the Americans, it was because he just wanted to um, uh, form friendship with the Taliban. Karzai was always on the side of the Taliban. Actually, if you read the book of Mr. Gate, he said that Karzai wanted the Taliban and the Daesh to um, in North to, to be in control and they spread them out and give them a lot of uh, power there. So that was, um, that was what he wanted. And um, the others who are staying there, like Abdullah, Abdullah, there are the warlords. But when the U.S. first invaded Afghanistan in 2001, um, the U.S. brought these warlords to power. They um, gave them money, they gave them power, they gave them positions, and they gave them a lot of uh, um, uh, leverages. So uh, these people who were not uh, nothing or nobody, um, just the warlords, they've in overnight they became millionaires and of course they formed their own militias and they had a lot of power they were always sabotaging the Ghani government and um, from the, the first time when, in 2014 when Ghani won in the 2019 when Ghani won both time the u.s um forced the afghan government the actual ashraf Ghani to accept Abdullah, Abdullah, as a partner, it was like a government with two heads. So I'm um, always sabotaging and always was uh, a thorn um, you know, next to Ghani and he couldn't even uh, do very much some of his work. 50% of the government was in his hands already and Abdullah, Abdullah's in the warlord's hands already and, and Ghani inherited a very um, corrupt government from uh, 13 years of Karzai. So um, to clean up a corrupt government who um, they have a lot of power and money and connections and, and also Americans undermine the government by meeting with, with uh, irrelevant 
people who just the warlords who did not have uh, any position in the government, uh, American military in the uh, ambassador and they meeting with them, giving them a lot of relevancy and a lot of power. So they all undermined the um, Ghani government. And so uh, in two years ago, when they started the peace talk in Doha, also under Afghan government was um, undermined and was not even informed in forcing the Afghan government to release the 6,000 criminals who you, we saw that the, um, after their release, the um, violence escalated. So that was also another uh, appalling act that the US did. So what I am saying is that um, those who stayed there, they are serving US's purpose. And Ghani was probably the only one who wanted to do something for Afghanistan. And uh, some of the work that he has done, um, actually, like the, you know, some development projects and so that um, uh, people were very happy with that. But um, uh, sabotage from the warlords and from different uh, right. militia groups and those whose interests were in danger. Um, so uh, that weakened uh, Ghani government and also um, uh, empowered the Taliban even more. And of course, America empowered them, re-empowered them. So just, just, to, just to reiterate then and explain, you were, you've been mentioning Abdullah Abdullah. He's the vice president together with Gulbuddin Hekmatyar, both of these notorious warlords that have had U.S. support in the past who were installed into high positions in the government. And now they, along with the former president, Hamid Karzai, are going to essentially hand the reins of the government to the Taliban. I mean, this is quite stunning to think That's about. exactly what happened. Actually, he was the head of the peace council who went to Doha and was um, in talk with the, the Taliban. And then, of course, they have done, they have made some deals there, whatever deal that made, and we saw the, the result. Um, and also Mr. Khalilzad, who- um, Zalmay Khalilzad, yes. Yeah, he, he was another one who betrayed uh, the people of Afghanistan. You know, on one and, hand- And Khalilzad, they, just to clarify, he's an Afghan-American who has been one of the architects of the original occupation under Bush, and then was a U.S. special envoy. Actually, he's been a U.S. special envoy to Afghanistan a few times, was also overseeing the peace talks with the Taliban. Yes, yes, that, that's exactly um, what happened. And, and uh, the vice president of Afghanistan, Mr. Saleh, he is uh, somewhere in Afghanistan, although they forced uh, Ghani to leave, but uh, Mr. Saleh is in Afghanistan. <clears throat> although some reports say that he was killed uh, uh, because he was opposing the Taliban, but uh, then there was a tweet came from his account. And now I don't know if it is his account, uh, if it's he or somebody else, but uh, a tweet came that he's alive and he is um, going to fight the Taliban until his last breath or something like that. But, um, uh, you know, Sonali, what, what it is here is that this so-called champion of democracy in human rights, who the United States called themselves, they talk uh, themselves about um, the um, uh, people who believe in inequality and believe in election and believe in this and that. And, and then they um, attack um, other countries and sanction other countries who do not have elections or, or human rights. They attack them, but they, uh, the United States, betrayed the people of Afghanistan and 
acted exactly the opposite of what they are saying against human rights, against women's rights, against election, against the elected government of Afghanistan, the um, deals, the backdoor deal in backstabbing of a country, the country that sacrificed so much for the United States in the past 40 plus years. Now it's sacrificed again because of the US foreign policy, failed US foreign policy and US interests in the region. So let's talk about what's happening to ordinary Afghans. Scenes coming out of Kabul uh, at Hamid Karzai International Airport on Sunday were really shocking. Um, people running on the runways as an airplane was trying to lift off. Some people hanging on to the plane. This is a U.S. Air Force airplane uh, trying to lift off. Um, and, and, you know, overnight thousands of people at the airport trying to flee the capital as they know what uh, is in store for them, as they fear what is in store for them under the Taliban. What are you hearing about the fear, not just in the capital, Kabul, where we're getting a lot of information from, but, uh, but even elsewhere in the country, some of the rural parts of Afghanistan? The rural, I, uh, um, as you know, we have a lot of projects in the rural piece, uh, in the rural of, of uh, Afghanistan, rural part of Afghanistan, and I'm in contact with some people. The stories that they are telling me from underground, the stories that they are, they are, they are calling and begging to please help. There are people who are on the street. Our volunteers are on the street. They cannot go back to their home, raping and attacking and and uh, um, leaving their homes and no no food, no shelter. It is appalling. It is inhumane. And if this cannot, if that those pictures, those images of the airplane flying and people are hanging, if that cannot awaken the conscience of these politicians who betrayed the people of Afghanistan, I do not know what will awaken their conscience. And if that does not do it, if that does not awaken and shaken their humanity, I really am, I, I'm losing all my faith in humanity. I'm losing all my faith in American government, they, sh they better shut up and not call about talk about human rights or women's rights or humanity or democracy anymore. Fahima, um, you and I have been working and, and worked together for many years to um, try to change the U.S. government's policy toward Afghanistan. And you remember, I'm sure, clearly more than most of us, how the U.S. used Afghan women's rights to justify the occupation. And then for almost 20 years, we were told Afghan women are free because the U.S. is there. And look at all the awful things that will happen to Afghan women if the Taliban leaves and now the Taliban is leaving and we're hearing more justifications for those who wanted the war to continue, not necessarily for the for the U.S. occupation to actually do something constructive, but they just wanted the U.S. troops to remain there. They're once more invoking Afghan women as if they cared about them all along. How, how does what are your thoughts on that, on how women, Afghan women's freedom has been used as a justification for war and continues to be used as justification for war that has not brought them freedom? Personally, you heard me many, many, many times that I say that those who U.S. put back in power, first of all, those that the U.S. supported 40 years ago, they were the violators of human rights and women's rights. And then U.S. put those people in power 
and then 92 and then 96 the taliban with the second generation of those uh, terrorists and then after that again the, the um uh, in in uh, 2001 when the us invaded afghanistan they put the very people who who were against peace against stability and against women's rights and human rights uh, us put them back in power it seems like us um put them in in trash and then they take the back the trash out and recycle them and and use them on us and force them on us and then they put them back in the trash and and then use them on us but in the process what the us does hurts the ordinary people of Afghanistan, bomb the ordinary people of Afghanistan, use them and bomb them and put the, their, their, um, their puppet, their, their proxies, their, their terrorists um, um, force them on us. And then, then when, when something goes wrong, they don't like it, they just replace one set of terrorists with another set of terrorists. That's what the US does, recycle and recycle. And, and that's what we are going through this, this cycle for, for the past 40 plus years. And of course, the women of Afghanistan are angry. Of course, they're upset because the women of Afghanistan were used. Mr. Bush actually in, in Congress said the women of Afghanistan are free. That is what I remember in 2002 when, when he was talking about that. The women of Afghanistan are free. Okay, let's say, okay, the women of Afghanistan are free. 20 years later, you go and, and, and put them back in prison, although they were not free. In the last 20 years, they were not free. They were being used. But after 20 years, you put the same people back in, in, in power to imprison those women. Where is the humanity? What should Biden have done? I mean, of course, he um, didn't, you know, he's only, he's been in the, in the presidency for less than a year. But uh, there are many who point out that the withdrawal was done without any thought. In fact, when Bagram Air Base was left, was abandoned by the Americans, they did it with so little coordination with the Afghan army that uh, Taliban forces, we read, came and looted that airbase, took weapons and ammunition, and the Afghan National Army didn't even know that the Americans had left in the dead of night. I mean, that's just one sort of symbol of the speed and lack of coordination and organization with which the U.S. left. Could just that have been done better? It seems as though every chance the U.S. has to do something in Afghanistan, it chooses the wrong way to do it. And they do it on purpose. You know, when you say Biden government, I don't care if who is in yeah. power. I, I'm just calling the U.S. government, the U.S. administrations, anybody who is there. So, yeah, they left at 3 a.m. without notifying the Afghan government, without notifying anybody, like cowards. They left in, uh, like like thieves. They left and in, in left everything to the Taliban. And at 3 a.m. When, when the Afghan army, they, somebody woke up and said that the American uh, you know, military is not there. You know, how can you do that to a country? And, and um, again, I was always, I'm always against the, the invasion and was against the invasion and I'm not for, for military solution. But once they went there, getting out, in, in all these years, they empowered the terrorists, they empowered the Taliban, they empowered the, the Mujahideen, and they empowered the Daesh. They are different names, different attires, but the same school of thought. 
that they came from the same school of thought. They, they empowered them so much that with the, with the so irresponsible withdrawal of their troops gave them even more power and gave them legitimacy. They, that's why they, they took over. You know, the, the, the right way should have been to be responsible to um, find the solution and help and work with the Afghan government to control everything, to, to um, not sabotage the government and then leave. But they did all of that, sabotaged and left and irresponsible and empowered those terrorists. So of course, I mean, the country is in the hand of um, terrorists from outside, from inside, and also uh, um, from Pakistan. Pakistan has the, the biggest terrorist camps there. They, and if, if US was really serious about it, which it was not, of course, we all knew, knew all along, serious about war on terror, they should have closed the, the, um, the sanctuary. They should have closed the training camps in, in Pakistan, the terrorist training camp in Pakistan. But they did not do that. And they were in cahoots with, with, with Pakistan government. And whatever the Pakistan government told them, you know, they did that. Just because they did not want to lose Pakistan completely to China. And so it is just because of their politic, their interest. 35 million people were sacrificed. You know, um, they, um, I, I just read today, somebody wrote, it's dangerous to be America's enemy, but it is deadly to be American's ally. Hmm. That is something that uh, you know, people have been posting. That's what people have been saying. And really to be allies with Americans, our hearts are broken for, for a broken nation. This is um, such a difficult time, Fahima. I'm sure you, like um, many other Afghans, have been approached by Americans saying, what can we do? How can we help? But it feels like that question should have been asked for the past 20 years, right? I mean, Afghanistan was just forgotten. Even when the war first started, more people paid attention to Iraq. And then it's just been this afterthought for so long. And now it's, you know, fallen apart already. It's already in the hands of the Taliban. And the questions of what can we do to help, there are no good answers, right? I mean, it's too late. The, the answer would have been 20 years ago to help um, with the education and healthcare and, and uh, security and peace in Afghanistan. Uh, you know, I should say that, Mr. Uh, the people of uh, United States are generous people. They want to help. Of course, most of them don't know what is going on under, in, in their name in other countries. But, um, uh, you know, we, we got some help here and there from, uh, from people to just build a school and, and dig a well or open some literacy classes and this here and there. And we have done that. And uh, people still want to do that. But the solution is not just to bring, you know, a few thousand people here. There are 35 million people there. What will happen? You can bring a few educated people here and they will uh, go and wash dishes and, and work in a restaurant or, or, or um, uh, drive a taxi. But what happens to the 35 million people there? What happened to the 15, 16 million women there in that country? So what happened to the 5 million girls who are going to school? What happened to them? And, and to like, I said to the, to the rest of the country, what, what happened to them that, that you put 
all these 35 million people in the, on a silver plate and, and gave them, delivered them to the a terrorist group that you went after and bombed the hell out of the country for 20 plus years. Yes, the financial help will help immediately yeah. with shelter and food and this and that. You know, a few thousand people here, a few thousand people there. But we need big help. Afghanistan needs big help, which it appears the United States government will, of course, have not done it and will not do it. So maybe the world should come together and, and, and pay back the Afghan people because they were betrayed. Uh, to give our audience um, a link or a website for where they can support the work that you do, Fahima, with the Afghan Women's Fund. Our, our, um, we have a small uh, volunteer organization that, that we gave 100% of the support back to Afghanistan. It's Afghan Women's Fund. It's www.afghanwomensfund.org. Anybody who wants to help, they can donate money. And if they want to volunteer their times, or if they, there are many, many of our volunteers who are underground, they are crying for help. Their lives are in, in danger. Their families' lives are in danger. They are crying for help. They want to get out of there because, because they don't think that they would live um, any longer there. Uh, they're in danger. So if anybody can help them temporarily to just bring them out of Afghanistan or somewhere, which that is not the solution for Afghanistan, but at least uh, you know, a few people here and there, they would be saved. So um, go to Afghan Women's Fund website and uh, just support us any way you can. All your support will go back to the people of Afghanistan. Thank you. And we'll post a link to that from our website as well. Fahima, good luck to you. Thank you for all the work that you do and for your heartfelt comments and your uh, deep insight during this conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Sonali. Thank you for having me here and thank you for being the voice of um, um, Afghan people. Thank you. Fahima Gahiz is director of the Afghan Women's Fund. She has visited Afghanistan to open new schools for girls and literacy classes for women, creating income-generating projects for widows to help them become self-sufficient, distribute warm clothing and school supplies to refugees, and to guide numerous other humanitarian and educational projects. I've worked with Fahima for many years with the work that I've done with the Afghan Women's Mission. And although I'm not Afghan, I have um, done solidarity work with women of Afghanistan for many years, and I've been proud to work alongside Fahima. We've been discussing, of course, the Afghan uh, government's collapse and the takeover of Afghanistan by the Taliban. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter and watch all of our video interviews, find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.